shares of Beam have soared over the past year, with the stock climbing almost 900%. Now we're down almost 50%, a little bit more actually since the highs. Let's bring in the CEO joining us. Desmond Wheatley is here this morning. Desmond, great to have you here. Appreciate you joining us. I want to first talk about the wild action we've seen in a lot of the stock prices, including your own in this industry. That's got a lot of investors wondering what comes next and whether or not this was all just a blip. What do you need to do to keep driving that enthusiasm forward? Good morning, Oliver, and thanks very much for having me. Um, I think, first of all, it's important to remember that even when we were at our highs, we were still five or six times less expensive than anything that could be considered to be a peer of ours. So I think there's still a great deal of value in Beam. Uh, obviously, we've seen a rotation out of growth stocks in the last couple of months, and I, I'm, I'm, I have a discipline which is to concentrate on the things I can impact and not worry so much about the things I can't, like 10-year yields and fears of inflation. We have a great company. Uh, with a rapid growth prospects ahead of us, unique product set and very strong IP protection. In going into a space, which is the electrification of transportation, which frankly is one of the largest spaces uh, which we've ever seen. Um, we're very well positioned to take advantage of that. What do you need to see to give to have clarity and to be able to give clarity on the timeline for profitability for your firm? You pushed back on a short report earlier this year that, and in paraphrasing, basically said that you guys had a near impossible path to profitability. At the time, you said in, re in response that it's very much within sight. Where is the site? Can you give us any updates? Yeah, I mean, let's not spend too much time on a short report that spent no time investigating our company or speaking to us uh, uh, or doing any analysis really on our business. I think they have other motivations and that's probably pretty clear to your listeners. Sure. Um, but the, the, the simple fact of the matter is, uh, it's very easy to see how we get to profitability in a short period of time. Uh, we're gonna see a massive amount of spending coming out, out, out to the federal government and also a very significant increase in consumer uptake on electric vehicles uh, with the introduction of um, vehicles like the all electric F-150, the 1000 horsepower GM Hummer. Uh, I think uh, government aspirations are great and government tailwinds are certainly very strong in our case with the banning of the sale of internal combustion engine vehicles over the next couple of decades in Europe and now in California and Washington state here. Uh, but at the end of the day, the consumer is going to drive this bus. Electric vehicles are just like gadgets on wheels. As you sell a lot of electric vehicles, you're going to need an awful lot of electric vehicle charging infrastructure. We have the fastest deployed, most scalable, most robust and lowest total cost of ownership solution for infrastructure. And because we support all of the electric vehicle charging companies, ChargePoint, Blink, Enel, Electrify America, because our products are supporting all of their products, we essentially succeed uh, regardless of who uh, does well and who does poorly in that space. And that's a great place for us to be. Desmond, when you talk about profitability, it sounds like you know, you're describing this as a fairly easy path, but I'm looking at uh, revenue that apart from uh, a quarter or two at the end of 2019, I see negative numbers in front of a lot of the past uh, reporting periods here. I know that in your last earnings, you posted a narrower loss than the year before, but still just looking at the numbers, I mean, revenues declining. How is that leading to profitability? Well, revenues aren't declining. Um, stay tuned for our earnings uh, report later on today, even during a period of uh, COVID. I'm not going to pre-announce the, the, the earnings, but uh, sure. even during a year like COVID, uh, I think you'll, you'll find that uh, the story is not actually negative. Um, and then uh, the other thing, it's a simple single word answer to your question. It's all about volume. 
We're a product development and manufacturing company. Uh, in lower volumes, our products have to absorb all of our overhead costs. And we are staged for growth right now. We're in a facility that, that can get to 2,200 units a year, $140 million in revenue a year, uh, and very profitably. In lower volumes, uh, the, the, the lower numbers of products that we sell have to absorb more, more of that growth overhead. As we increase our volumes, uh, the, the path to gross profitability and then bottom line profitability, uh, in particular, because we have very good fiscal discipline. If you look at our spending patterns, we're in great shape where that's concerned. Uh, great balance sheet as well. So it's really not difficult to do the basic arithmetic to get us to profitability. Just a question if you believe that in the industry. And I think that anybody that spends five minutes on Google or reading any of the newspapers are going to see that electrification of transportation is here to stay. We're going to need millions of publicly available EV chargers. And again, we have the fastest deployed, most scalable and lowest total cost of ownership solution out there. So I know you've got the earnings coming up here uh, this afternoon, as you mentioned. So I know that there's going to be new numbers. The trailing 12-month numbers are a decline of revenue of 26% from the year before that I see according to Bloomberg data. But to your point here, we've got new numbers coming out this afternoon. I'm curious about the path, though, for the adoption of this whole infrastructure. How much depends, Desmond, on the U.S. government and its plans to help fund it? If we don't get a big package or a trillion dollar plus or hundreds of billions, whatever it is, from the U.S. government, is this a business that in the private realm thrives on its own? I hear still a lot of what seems to be a reliance on what's coming from the government. How necessary is that? Actually, the, by far the most profitable segment of our future business, our media model, will not be reliant upon government dollars at all. Uh, we just signed our first major city to roll out a Driving on Sunshine network. This will be a sponsorship and naming rights funded network. As I say, we just closed our first city towards the end of last year. Uh, we're now uh, attracting sponsors uh, to that network, and that won't rely on government uh, largesse at all. At the same time, I think we are going to see a lot of government spending. I mean, it doesn't necessarily have to come from the federal level. We know we're going to see it at the state levels. Uh, California has already announced a billion dollars in EV charging infrastructure spending here in the next uh, couple of years. Remember, California has a surplus at the moment. So this idea that these states and municipalities are running out of money because of COVID doesn't seem to be bearing fruit. Um, but I, look, we've always built our business to be profitable and have a path to profitability that does not require government largesse. But we're not going to turn our back on infrastructure spending either. Bridges freeways, uh, streetlights, all of these things come from taxpayer spending, but all of them go into public com uh, or private or publicly or for-profit companies' pockets. Uh, we're not going to, uh, to miss out on that opportunity because if you think about what our product is, clean energy, reliable energy, an American-made product, and shovel-ready and ready to deploy at large scale, it's basically a fairy tale solution for everything that the administration is looking for at the moment. When you talk about your own plans for profitability and when your team calculates and communicates with investors about that path are you banking in within your numbers expectations for electric vehicle tax credits I mean obviously the more electric vehicles that are on the road the more potential the charging stations that we see behind you that you make are going to be in demand so you've got to be modeling out obviously the electric vehicle numbers do you have those numbers as assuming tax credits from the US that are, are right now being heavily debated between lobbyists and lawmakers I think the tax credits have been very important to the early adoption of electric vehicles, and, and not least because there was a lack of infrastructure there. One of the great impediments to people buying these cars is range anxiety. They're worried that they're going to run out of fuel. Um, but at the same time, as I've already said, I, at the end of the day, I think the consumer will drive this bus. It's impossible for me to imagine that a consumer will select a 300-horsepower Hummer that needs to go to the gas station and requires a lot of maintenance when they could instead have a 1,000-horsepower 
uh, hammer that requires almost no maintenance, does not to 60 in three seconds, and is the most exciting gadget that they've ever owned. Uh, I just, I think government uh, uh, incentives will help, certainly, but at the end of the day, the consumer drives the bus. Uh, this will be a supply and a demand thing. The consumer will demand the vehicles. We will have to meet the supply where the charging infrastructure is concerned. Okay. Desmond, looking forward to the numbers this afternoon. Thanks for being here with us and hope to continue the conversation. My great pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thanks a lot. Desmond Wheatley joining us, CEO at Beam Global. Shares a little change ahead of the report off the highs, but still way up over the past year.